0: Thank you for listening to WWCU. My name is Lyndon Jones and today I am talking to Dr. Carol Burton, the Vice Provost for Academic Affairs at Western Carolina University. Thanks for being on with me.
1: It's a pleasure, always a pleasure to talk with our our students anytime.
0: We are coming up into a very interesting semester and I feel like we say that every semester but here we are again. (laughs) We have had two really big surges in COVID-19. We are starting the semester with three weeks online. And in what situation would these three weeks be extended, delaying students coming back to campus?
1: Lyndon, you know, um, we we take a lot of uh, factors into consideration when making those decisions. Obviously, um, the decision to move to remote learning for the first three weeks of our semester was made at the executive level based on, you know, the outbra- outbreak, the situation nationally, locally, regionally, and uh, on campus. Right now, we're... You know, we're doing fine, but we are concerned that with the return of students, faculty, and staff during the spring semester after the holidays, that our medical facilities wouldn't be able to handle a major cluster or an outbreak. So we're doing this out of an abundance of caution, and we will just continue to review the data as we do. If you haven't had an opportunity to look at our dashboard, it's on our coronavirus website for the university. You can see our local um, rates on campus. And then you can also see the Jackson County rates. You can link from our own website to see. So we evaluate daily what's going on. And specifically, we would just look to see where we are in terms of outbreak and, and if there are any clusters in order to make a decision that we would need to extend remote learning beyond February the 15th.
0: And I love that the dashboard we have is really relevant to the community so we've you know we always think of Western Carolina as students but this is the Western Carolina community that students just happen to be a part of.
1: That's right that's absolutely right we are one and one and the same. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: As we are preparing for virtual learning which of course is a little different from regular uh, in-person learning how does the university plan to transition back into hybrid or fully in-person classes?
1: We you know our faculty have been working hard um, making those adjustments. And I just, I just have to say, you know, they are remarkable. They have been flexible. They have pivoted when needed. And from an institutional standpoint and specifically faculty, but also our student support areas, whether it be residential living or our dining services or our, certainly our health services, so many areas that impact the ability for us to pivot to being fully face-to-face. And so one of the things that we're doing in terms of that transition is just making sure that we have all the available personal protective equipment. We're doing care packages again um, in anticipation of when we can welcome members of our community back to campus. Uh, Many of us have been coming in and working daily in our offices. I certainly have, the provost has, uh, the executive cabinet, and many staff have been here, you know, since August. We we come in every day. But just making sure that we have opportunities for folks who need to work remotely, and then staggering that schedule for those who need it, who cannot come in every day, or who feel compromised, um, and, and need to have a different work schedule. So we're doing much, much more flexible scheduling than we have ever done in the past, and then ensuring that we have the personal protective equipment in the term, in terms of masks, sanitizers, and establishing social distancing protocols on campus to adapt to the hybrid and face-to-face situation when that comes. It's a massive operation, I <laughs> will say.
0: Exactly, I was gonna say, I mean, this must be a massive thing to plan. We're talking about thousands of students and even more faculty and staff that come with that. This must be a huge thing to plan.
1: That's right. So we have over sixteen hundred employees at Western Carolina. We have, you know, over twelve thousand students. Roughly twenty five hundred of those students are fully online, in, enrolled in distance programs. So never really comes to campus until graduation day. But you're thinking we have over three thousand students that will move back into campus um, physically. Typically, we're around somewhere around 4,400. But as you know, we've had some construction projects underway with the demolition of Scott and Walker Hall, the large, our two largest residence halls on campus. And so the timing actually couldn't have been better from that standpoint in terms of de-densifying the campus. But we still have over 3,000 students who are likely to, to return specifically to live in the, the residence halls. And so when you think in terms of that operation with over 1,600 employees, that's a major, that's a town, the size of a town. And so we are very careful in terms of trying to protect all of our community employees and students.
0: And on that same note of these thousands of students moving back onto campus, before the semester, the university called for all students living on campus to have a negative COVID test result. Is that still Mm -hmm. the case? And when should students plan to get that test? And how can they provide it to the university?
1: Yes, yeah, so that is still in place, and so in order for students to return physically um, by the twenty, excuse me, February 15th, they do have to have a copy of a negative COVID test. Now, interestingly, I've, you know, reading and following as things change daily, but, but this has been in place for a while, and the students must have had a negative COVID test, test within the last three months, um, and those are submitted prior to, you know, move, moving back into campus. Um, faculty and staff are encouraged but not required to have a test Um, and thankfully most people are opting to do that so yes that that standard still exists.
0: And I will say I do work very closely with departments like Intercultural Affairs and there are many students who are a little nervous about this because some students have um, contracted COVID around the holiday season and it may not come back as negative if they get tested now. Do you have any ideas on what to do uh, in that situation?
1: Yes well we have another month before face-to-face classes resume and hybrid resume, and so there's ample time to re- to get retested in, in that time frame. And also, Lyndon, um, we have been receiving or noticed that we will receive quite a bit of funding from the state government and also nationally, the national government, the federal government, in terms of reimbursing students for expenses. So if there are charges that are incurred with getting a second follow-up test or other expenses associated with this move to remote learning, students are not able to work on campus as they have been in the past necessarily. There are some new protocols around that, and they should check with their supervisors, but there will be funding to help offset those expenses for our students. So please, you know, let them know that there is ample opportunity to get reimbursed.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. On that same note, I'm sure of um, local and bigger funding, what services is BIRD, which is our health services on campus, providing to students, faculty, and staff this semester?
1: Yeah, so they have, um, our health services department has really put together a whole new protocol of how to serve our community, and they do appointments only, but you can still get regular care through health services. You just are required to schedule an, an appointment, whereas before they would do walk-ins, all of that is done in a very safe manner. So you schedule an appointment, you show up, and your temperature is tested, and then you are asked a series of questions, and then you go in to, to see the doctor or nurse, practitioner or nurse as the case may be. And so the full array of um, health services support that we have always had are available. It's just being done with COVID precautions and protocols.
0: And then to follow that, with COVID-19, are vaccines gonna be available at BIRD? And if they are, is that gonna be open to the community or only folks involved with the university?
1: That is a great question. And it that you know has been evolving, um, as you might imagine. imagine. Um, on the state level. So the University of North Carolina system has um, provided all constituent institutions, all 17 of them, with these sub-zero freezers that will store vaccines once we receive them. Now, we have not received the vaccines, and it may be a little while. I don't know if folks are aware, um, if they're following the national and the state news that the administration, dissemination, and administration of the vaccines has rollout has has not gone quite as planned. Um, not as many have been um, administered as we had hoped, but we are continuing to ramp that up. So at some point in the future, Western Carolina University does anticipate receiving a shipment of vaccinations. We will be primarily administering those, at least in the first part, to our on-campus. Um, community members, so faculty, students, and staff. And then at a later date, um, based on the most recent information that I have, the chancellor um, has encouraged us to become an administration site. And so we have applied to be a vaccination administration site. We're still awaiting um, final word on that. And at at that point, and then once we've received the vaccinations, we hope to be able to help serve our community. Our health department and and local hospitals um, are doing a great job, but they are clearly, you know, they're overwhelmed. Uh, We have thousands of people who live in our community and who want vaccinations. We are following the um, Center for Disease Control guidelines in terms of how those are administered uh, at the, the local level. And so, yes, there is a plan for Western to become a vaccination administration site once we get that approval. And then once we receive the vaccinations, we will be administering those uh, locally to our internal campus community. And then at some point in the future, we hope to be able to help serve our, you know, the community partner, external community as well. And I don't have a timeline on that, but, you know, we're moving as fast as we can. Again, just awaiting initial approval um, to be a vaccination administration site. And, and while I, I mentioned that, you know, we have a number of faculty who, and staff who are um, obviously qualified to administer vaccinations. It is a lengthy process. It is not just putting a shot in someone's arm, as we may hear on the, the, the national news, but you have to do quite a bit of record-keeping. Um, the estimation that I heard last week was each vaccination takes around 20 minutes, and that includes the pre-paperwork, the actual administration of the vaccination, and then, or the vaccine, and then um, there's an observation period. Person can't just pop up and, and leave. They have, you know, he or she has to be observed to ensure that the, there aren't any um, negative side effects that um, are incurred once they take the vaccine. So, again, per person, it's 20 minutes. And if you're doing the series of vaccines that requires two doses, doses, um, you know, then there's a follow-up to that. So it's it's quite a complicated. Endeavor, and then certain vaccines are required to be um, frozen. And if they're frozen, then they have to be thawed before they can be administered. And so, it's it's going to be a major undertaking to, if we're approved to become a, a vaccination administration site, which I hope we we are.
0: I would second that. I hope we are. It makes me extremely proud to be a Catamount to know that my university is not only pushing to keep us safe, but pushing to say, hey, the community needs us, and I think we can help.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you've seen some of the, the photos and the, the video on, on, you know, videos nationwide of lines, people waiting five, six, seven hours mm-hmm. to get the vaccine. Sometimes they have appointments, and they're turned away, even after having an appointment. So it's you know, it's a dire situation, and we, we will do our part as a, as a partner of our local community.
0: Well, I'll pull you off the topic of COVID for just a second. I know we're always falling back into that, and we'll just move into a little bit of the university and students this semester. Yeah, sure. As students are coming onto campus, and some students are going to be completely virtual, do we have a strong plan for textbook distribution this semester? Yes,
1: yeah, so my understanding is that we are mailing uh, textbooks out, to students. And, you know, with classes starting on Monday, timing is of the essence. I will tell you, uh, being out and about on campus over the weekend, I saw our um, bookstore was open for those in the area. But my understanding is that we are mailing books to students who are um, remote and who don't have an opportunity to come.
0: That's fantastic that they're open now. So many students who live in the area can definitely check that
1: out. I would say, Lyndon, you know, if you're on campus are, or for folks who are not on campus, there are a few students who, who moved back in, actually some of them prior to us making that decision. We, we waited as late as we possibly could, but, but also trying to give faculty and staff time to pivot and students to adjust, waiting, hoping that the, the tide would turn on COVID-19 cases, and, and of course it's not, and so we finally made the decision to delay face-to-face classes for three weeks. But that said, we have a number of students, including particularly our athletes and our resident assistants, RAs in the, in the halls, in the residence halls, uh, many of them have moved in already and are you know, practicing on social distancing protocols. The food truck is out in the middle of campus um, at the fountain, and we have some other food services available. So it's scaled back, but there are some, some students who are already here. And so, yeah, they, you know, wanted to pick their textbook stuff. So I, I applaud the bookstore for responding to that need and the uh, appreciation to them for being so adaptive.
0: And appreciation to all of those residential assistants that are going to have all the questions.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Does the university calendar this semester include a spring break?
1: So, no, with our change to beginning the semester on the 25th of January, that's basically two weeks later than we would typically begin. And so we forfeited spring break. We do have um, a little bit of a break around um, Easter. We will end the semester in, on May the 14th. So that's a, a week later than probably we typically would. But so if you're thinking about, you know, starting two weeks later, and then and extending it a week later that still we have to, by policy, have at least 15 weeks of instruction. And so that's the way that we were able to accomplish it. Uh, but we had to give something up. We wanted to maintain our advising day, reading day, um, and give a little break around that, that Easter holiday. Um, and so we do not have a typical week-long
0: as a senior, I am sad that there's no spring break, right? We always have this ideal, like, senior spring yeah. break. However, as a student and a safety person in our community, I'm very glad to not see that big dispersion of students leaving and then coming back.
1: Right, yeah. And none of these decisions, I will tell you, were easy. We thought mm-hmm. um, long and hard and had long discussions with academic leadership, with leadership in student affairs, and at the chancellor's cabinet level to ensure that we were making the best possible decisions for our community. But that said, we know that some people are really unhappy with the decisions that we made and uh, we're just just doing the best that we can, like you said, for the safety and health of our our community. Well,
0: what advice would you give students as they come back to the community of Western Carolina University?
1: Well, I'll tell you, Lyndon, I was so impressed last fall um, as I would walk about campus with my mask on and seeing our students taking this seriously, I would just encourage them to continue. I know it's been a challenge. I know it's difficult. We are now 11 months into this, hoping against hope that, you know, we would be in a different place, but we're not. And so my advice would be to do more of the same, to recognize that this is not forever. In in the grand scheme, it will be a blip, but a major one in our lives and one I hope we never have to repeat. Learn the lessons of what is going on in terms of, you know, 400,000 people have died from COVID. Those are the ones that are recorded. In this country alone, 400,000 people, over 22 million who have contracted the disease. Now, thankfully, obviously, most of those folks have not um, succumbed to the disease. And we know that we're getting better and better treatment. And we're being able to handle it better as a society lots of struggles out there, you know, economic struggles, um, health struggles. And so my advice to students would be, you know, appreciate the lives that we're able to continue to lead, honor the requests and guidance from our university and from those in the healthcare professions, and to be safe and look out for others. Uh, we can be responsible for ourselves and know that there is a lot of opposition to wearing masks or to practice in social distance. Or to washing our hands as frequently. But honestly, if we all adhere to these protocols, I think that would allow us to get back to life as we know it sooner. And so I'm hoping that students can, can continue to reflect the behaviors that I, I saw last, last fall. Um, really was encouraged by that. And our staff and faculty, who are just troopers, who are just trying to give the students the best educational experience not ideal. We didn't you know, create this. We don't want this to be here. Um, but how we handle it is a, is a testament of our character and grit. So that, that would be my advice.
0: I mean, you said it. It's not that it's happening. It's how we handle it. This is how we go from here.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, someone who comes in to my office every single day and has colleagues who do the same and colleagues who work from home, who are, you know, struggling with so many issues, Um, that I don't even have to to deal with. Um, Let's just be kind to each other. Let's show some grace and be supportive as much as we can and get through this together. It really is the only way.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Burton. Is there anything that we have not discussed that you feel is important to mention?
1: Just that in the spirit of this week and yesterday being the holiday to recognize Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his legacy about service and about um brother and sisterhood, loving and cherishing each other, that I hope that we can continue to exhibit that in this really tough time. And just wanted to kind of give a shout out to him and everything that he was able to accomplish and the day of service that he had, had instituted as a way to continue to advance our society in ways that we need to. Um, I hope that everyone can can take a moment to, to honor him in their own way.
0: Yes, ma'am. Thank Thank you you, so much.
1: Congratulations on graduating this May.
0: All things considered, it's a great time to graduate. Have a fantastic day. Yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing.
1: Thank you, take care. Bye-bye.
0: That was Dr. Carol Burton, Vice Provost for Academic Affairs. I can easily say this woman knows what is going on on campus. In this public affairs program, we talked about the new semester. Although we are online the first three weeks until February 15th, this is going to be a fantastic semester. We need to stay together. We need to do all we can. And remember, if you're virtual learning, your books can be mailed to you. If you are on campus or in the Cullowee area, the bookstore is open for you to grab your books. Although it is very difficult to plan for thousands of students coming onto campus at one time during a global pandemic, Western Carolina University's fantastic faculty and staff have been working very hard to make sure that we do this safely and that we're still learning because that's the goal, isn't it? So as a senior graduating in 2021 this May, I could not be more thankful for everyone keeping us safe on this campus. Thank you again to Dr. Carol Burton for talking with me today and giving us the updates we need to know about the spring 2021 semester. Good luck and go cats. It's Lyndon on WWCU. We are Western Carolina University.